Welcome to the SBS Tour de France podcast sponsored by Zwift. It was famously used by Matt Heyman to prepare for his victory at Paris-Roubaix. You can use it too for your own goals. Visit Zwift.com to learn how to join the digital peloton today. Bonjour, 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 and welcome to this episode 7 of the Zwift Tour de France podcast coming out from Troyes in France. Troyes, which saw the end of a stage yesterday and the start of a new stage tonight. Before we start, uh, let me remind you that you can listen and stream and download this podcast on our SoundCloud, SoundCloud, where you search for Cycling Central. And it's also available on our website, sbs.com.au slash Cycling Central and on the Zwift platform, since Zwift are our lovely sponsors in this podcast. Joining me in the podcast today, I will have two Australian writing legends. Uh, later on in, a, in the program, we'll have a chat with Rupert Guinness. He's one of the most known Tour de France writers in the English world he writes for the Sydney Morning Herald I'm sure you know him uh, we'll have a good chat with him and the co-host or my co-host today is none other than Rob Arnold from Ride Media hi Rob good to be back it's really good to have you back uh, in this podcast uh, I'm sure uh, our listeners will appreciate your insight on this program well as you'll learn you'll have to shut me up because I, I can talk a lot about cycling I'll try <laughs> okay <laughs> Let's talk about the stage uh, yesterday. We arrived in Troyes. This is where we are again this morning. This is where the stage will start. Uh, in the end, the result we expected, Kittel is a winner. He looked like the strongest. He looked like the fastest. Yeah, I mean, they call it sprint stages for a reason, don't they? They, go, they do go to script. I mean, and it doesn't mean that they're boring. It's just that that's the last couple of minutes that are really intriguing. It's hard for Australia, you know, that you have to wait until half past one in the morning. To, you probably have to set your clock if you want to. Uh, the good thing is that the app tracker this year, yeah. the Skoda app tracker, has got actually a, an alert when the sprint is about to come in to wake you up. So uh, I guess there's a lot of people that have been using it. But, I mean, this is the Tour de France. There's stages for climbers, there's stages for sprinters. And yesterday was a stage for the sprinters. That's right. But, I mean, let's, let's be careful not to call them transitional stages because that's what we used to call them. The, the stages between the Alps and the Pyrenees but given that we've got all the five uh, mountain massives of, fr of France this year we're sort of you know we're going from the Vosges and then we're going to go over to where we are near the Champagne region and then tomorrow we zigzag back so it's uh, everything's a little bit different but we are you know we have to do traditional elements of the Tour de France and, and part of that is the long stages that, that deliver the, the, the peloton to a certain location. If we talk about Marcel Kittel I mean on the road, on that sprint, is he looks so strong, and he looks like he's the fastest. Does he impress you this year or not? He always impresses everyone. I think uh, a lot of people are charmed by his manner. He presents very well. He he um, appears as though he has a huge ego, but he's very humble in an interview, and I think that's sort of catches people off guard a little bit um, he's got the top end speed 100% that's clear he came from a long way back to win the sprint in stage 6 let's have a listen to a very happy Marcel Kittel at the end of the stage yeah uh, it makes me very proud I think it was a very nice day a very nice victory today and um, I'm incredibly happy that, uh, that yeah, I could get this victory for the team today because Julian Famot especially really worked very, very hard today to um, get the breakaway back. I think it was a really hard day for him with all the heat and a long time in front. So, um, yeah, this team spirit here and our team is incredible and I'm sure the cold champagne tonight will taste very good. So that was Marcel Kittel, clearly very happy, very uh, happy with himself. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the, I think he managed himself pretty well because he had the same question over and over again as he walked down the line and everyone wanted to know, uh, now that Sagan's gone, are you going to focus on the green jersey? And um, I think it's obvious that he ought to, but, uh, you know, there's a long way to Paris. And uh, I think uh, picking up his 11th stage win in, in his tour career is something that he can savour. I think Robbie McEwen's going to be sort of a little bit nervous because he's got a collection of 12, so if Kittel picks up another one, he's on par with him and on par with Eric Zabel, which is of interest to the Germans. But, uh, you know, why wouldn't he be happy? He can see that he's, he's sprinting well. He's got two in a row with uh, disc brakes on his bike. Not that they're slowing him down in the middle of the sprint, but it's fantastic for marketing. i like to see what sort of bonuses are written into that contract because it is a precedent case. No one else has been able to do that in the Tour de France. It's the first year we've seen disc brakes in use. And... Uh, Two times in a, you know, not in a, in succession, but two times he's he's picked up a win in a sprint, and uh, you know he, he's beaming with confidence, and from confidence comes probably more success. I think today in um, uh, in uh, Nuit Saint Georges he's going to be up there again, battling it out, and uh, we'll see what comes of it. I I didn't really spend a lot of time focusing on Kittle because I was so busy concentrating on Demar, who was coming in this sort of magnetised right-hand side of the road, you know. For some reason, there's just something that's pulling the, the, the riders over it's, to the barriers. Yeah, it's quite interesting because... And then Kittel just went on the left, going, well, you know, it's open, I'm going to take that road. I think clean clean road is much safer. And if you if you replay the sprint, there was... You know, there were very big similarities between what Demar was doing and what Cavendish tried to do. And there were a couple of moments where his wheels, uh, the, the, in the green jersey, the, the wheels were, you know, literally centimetres from the, 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 the feet of the barricades. I spoke to Demar at, uh, at the end of the stage in French, uh, but he said, he said that he was quite happy with the way he went. He's happy with second place because he didn't fall and he hasn't lost any point on his jersey. Yeah. Do, do, you think you, do you think that's true? I think he can be satisfied with it. I think that he's in a drag race. There's two guys in the race this year. Uh, another interest for Australia is uh, Simon Yates. He kept, he kept the white jersey, but he says he was really hot. He really struggled with the heat. In an Australian team, but he's British. Uh, let's have a listen to Simon Yates. Exactly that. Yeah, it's really, it was really difficult. It was okay until, we, until the end there, the last hour or so, when we, the pace really started to pick up and we had to chase the, the brake more, more quickly. Um, before, okay, it was okay. You could really manage yourself, you know, take on the fluids that you need to. But in the final, it's stressful and it's, it's difficult to really cool yourself down. Um, but yeah, hot day. He said it in his own words. It was hot yesterday. It was, it was really warm. I mean, driving to the finish, I looked down. I saw 37 degrees on the car. Didn't feel like it. I had the air conditioning going. But uh, yeah, it's, it's stifling. And I think it's exaggerated by the fact that there's Certainly in Twilight, there was very little wind. But as we saw with the, the umbrella incident in stage six, there, there was some wind blowing out on the course. And that's something that strikes me as curious. You know, in a, certainly in Sydney, if it's windy in one part of Sydney, it's windy elsewhere, you know. Um, but it's very still in the city here. And uh, I, I would be, in, I'd be interested to know... Um, how the riders manage, you know, just these, these changes in, in gusts, because it is quite severe, in fact. Absolutely, it must be really hard to, uh, to actually adapt to this. Look, we're going to take a short break. Uh, we'll talk to uh, Rupert Guinness in a, in a second about the, uh, the way that the press has changed around the Tour de France, and I'll have your insight just after this. Is that okay? That'd be great. You staying with us? Sure. But first, we take a short break, and then we come back straight after this. Zwift has group rides for all levels. With a ride approximately every 30 minutes, you can join a group and ride 
that fits your schedule and your level. Group rides stay together behind a leader. They enjoy friendly banter, a relaxed vibe, a little bit of fun and some friendly racing. Just like rides in the real world, except there's no worries about a rear wheel puncher slowing the group down or being left behind. Check it out for yourself at Zwift.com today. I'm here uh, with uh, Rupert uh, Guinness from the Sydney Morning Herald. Hi, Rupert. Hi, Christophe. For people who have seen you on TV or know you, it's always a colourful shirt. <laughs> well, that's right. I, I do have quite a collection. I've got about 75 or 76. May I say why? Um, well, it started off back in the early 90s, and uh, I just had one or two. They were comfortable to wear, easy to wash, easy to wear when they're dirty as well. And um, I guess I felt comfortable in them, and then I guess there was a second purpose. Whoever I was travelling with in the car, you know, they were able to find me easy enough in the crowd. But that was easy for me as well to go, where's Rupert? He's there. <laughs> That's right. Well, at least sometimes it gets you out of trouble. Sometimes it gets you into trouble, though. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's talk about uh, your role and what you've been doing for the, around the Tour de France over so many years. Because you've, you've been around the block with the Tour. Yeah, yeah. This, uh, 30 years ago, I came to my first Tour. And uh, this is my 29th Tour that I've been accredited for. But I came, my first Tour was 1987. And I was working for a former magazine that was called Winning Magazine. That was uh, an English-speaking magazine published in, in uh, Belgium or in Brussels. And uh, that year, 87, um, Stephen Roach won the tour. And I guess it started off on a good note because uh, did a daily diary with, with, with Roach that year. So uh, that went very well. And so you were his proper lucky charm. I don't know about it. Maybe he was my lucky charm, I think, because I'm still here today. But uh, looking forward to catching up with him when he comes here to the tour, just to sort of, I'd like to get one photo of uh, us 30 years on. But, uh, but it's, yeah, it's been a long time. I have to sort of pinch myself and, when I think about how many years I've been here. I'm sure the world has changed in the last 30 years, but it must have changed particularly for you in the way you actually report, because 30 years ago, internet was not around. And I guess back in Australia, you could talk about the results today. I mean, when the, the paper is out, the results are already out way long in, uh, in, in social media. What does that change for you? Oh, everything has changed, really. I mean, uh, you, you're right, Christoph. The, uh, the, you know, the results are out immediately. Um, you know, reactions are out immediately. So you have to think of... Uh, I mean, most newspapers now uh, are very much driven by their, their websites as well. So you have to su- supply content for the website uh, as soon as possible. Um, for myself, uh, you know, while, for example, uh, at, uh, at the City Morning Herald's website or Fairfax Media, who own the City Morning Herald, you know, they'll quickly uh, pick up an agency report but then my uh, report, for example, has to be pretty quick afterwards, but I also have to include reactions and a, and a feel of analysis to take it forward a bit more. But it's, um, uh, yeah, it's changed so much. Uh, you know, just the, the blow-by-blow account of a race, um, uh, that sort of reporting has sort of become redundant in many ways, and uh, uh, that's why uh, everyone has to think of how they can sort of reinvent themselves in, in many ways, and that's not that easy, but uh, uh, it's the fact of life. Does that make it harder for you? Um, I don't think it makes it hard. I just think it makes it different. Um, you know, like when I first started covering the tour and in the early years, even before uh, the World Wide Web existed, um, that was still very long days. I mean, uh, you know, one of the good things about, I suppose, with the, uh, with the internet, one of many good things is you can get information very quickly. You know, back when I first started, um, you had to wait for the results to come out in paper. Um, you didn't get uh, uh, quotes that would suddenly appear on your email, um, although I hate using emailed quotes because I just think good old traditional journalism is to rely on the quotes that you get yourself by actually speaking to people. It's an interesting 
interesting concept. What do you mean? Talk, yeah, talking to a human being is a very interesting concept, which I think a lot of us sort of forget these days. But um, uh, I think it's, uh, you know, so that was actually, uh, you know, you had to actually get out there and get the quotes and actually speak to people. And, and I mean this actually quite seriously because now, you know, you can be in the press room and suddenly, bang, there's quotes appearing in your email. There's, um, you know, results there, bang. Quickly, within a few seconds, there's video replays. Uh, back then, you had to go and find a TV somewhere. You had to, you know, it's actually basic nuts and bolts of journalism. Um, so that was hard. So I wouldn't say it's harder now. What about the uh, the weight of social media? Because if I take the the, the Sagan uh, saga we had a few days ago, for example, if that would have happened 30 years ago, the press would have played a very very strong role in reporting this. Now every man and his dog has got an opinion on this. Does that change for you as well in terms of how you report things or not? Um, well, I think it does. I mean, obviously, social media, social media also creates a story. You know, uh, an incident may happen, but then the reaction of social media is like a bushfire going up in summer, and suddenly it's out of control as well. Um, and uh, perceptions and opinions, uh, uh, well, the perceptions quite often will go one way or the other. It can go the wrong way. Uh, horrendously so. I'm not just talking about the Sagan story, just generally stories can go horrendously the wrong way as far as interpretation and what the reality is and to uncontrollable levels. The other way, uh, on a positive note, uh, um, if there's uh, uh, any, a legitimate um, injustice committed, uh, social media and the weight of public opinion can force change as well which where it's needed. So there's a fine line between whether social media is good or bad but it's here it's here for life so you might as i said you've got to accept it um you can't fight it but i'm also i think you have to be wary of of the pitfalls of of the pitfalls and the positive side of it what do you make of that saga and saga a few days down the line we've all had time to reflect you know he's gone he's gone we know he's gone uh what do you make of it of it all a few days after Well, look, uh, I mean, to be honest, when I f first saw it, my instinctive reaction was, yeah, he should go, you know, and I thought of, you know, you've got to set an example, all that sort of stuff, yada, yada. But uh, uh, after I um, read various other uh, opinions and I also saw other video evidence, um, I actually felt that he shouldn't have been excluded. I thought the initial punishment of... Uh, declassification to last on the stage and the deduction of points in the green jersey um, was 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 certainly a, f a fair penalty, but uh, I think disqualification in the end was excessive. And I, well, my lament is that in a, in modern day sport where so much is on the line, and in like for example in football codes or in horse racing, when there's a when there's an incident that happens um, very quickly, there's a system in place to allow a um, uh, you know a judicial review where the parties from both sides are allowed to come, give an explanation, show quick video evidence, um, like we saw quick video evidence here of, of this. I don't know why there isn't a... Uh, why the race jury alone has the power to, to do... to um, exact these type of punishments without even listening to the, uh, to the parties involved. Um, whether they heard from one party, which pushed for that, which is what the word is, certainly Bora Hansgrohe uh, deserved the right to at least give an explanation or for Peter Sagan to have, if not himself, have counsel be able to deliver an explanation. And it should be, they, sh they should have waited longer. They should have, def it doesn't have to be, they came out at seven o'clock at night. Okay, that's relatively quick. I thought it was very quick for such a major decision. Why not delay and have a proper process, even if it takes another two or three hours? I mean, the riders are not going to go anywhere. You know, um, Peter Sagan was still there at the team hotel. 
if there's a due and fair process and things calm and settle a little bit, I think you can have clarity of mind to make the right decision. And I don't believe, not one, I, don't, I believe the, the wrong decision was made, but two, I think the system in place, it was rushed and hurried, and I think that could have affected um, the judgment call. Thank you, uh, Rupert. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. A pleasure, mate. Sometimes you just can't get outside for a ride because it's either late at night or the weather is just horrible or you have other family commitments. The beauty of Zwift is you can Zwift at any time of day for however long you like. There's always a community of friendly cyclists and competitors waiting to take on the roads of Watopia or Richmond where the World Championships were held in 2015. Perfect for the time-crunched athlete or new cyclist. Check it out for yourself at Zwift.com today. Uh, welcome back to the Zwift Tour de France podcast, and I'm still here with Rob Arnold. Rob, we just heard what uh, Rupert had to say. His world has really changed. I guess uh, you write for a magazine as well. Yeah. Uh, your world has changed as well, I guess, as well, too. Well, it was the, the dynamic of the tour is totally different to when I started doing it. My first uh, Grand Départ was 97, and for 16 years, as well as doing the magazine, I, I wrote the live content for the official website. So I was sort of... Um, in part of that technological revolution, if you like. And, um, so you saw the technology evolve? Well, definitely. I mean, we'd have to draw a picture for some people, but uh, there was a device back in the 90s in France called the Minitel. Yeah. You remember it well? I love that. It was, uh, people that don't know, check it out. Minitel was, you thought the, the, the Americans have invented internet. This is wrong. We invented the, the prehistoric internet with the Minitel. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, uh, the people can Google it and see what it looks like. But the, the first tour I did was actually still actually using a Minitel technology. <laughs> so. that, that must have been slow. It was quite frustrating, yeah. In the time that I've been doing the Tour de France, the media's changed uh, in, in one significant way, and that is in 97, for example, there was no um, English uh, translation. For yeah, Tomo told us this. I, I was sorry to interrupt, but Tomo told me this as well. He was at all press release. Everything was in French. That must have been really hard for you guys. Well, it was, yeah, it was all in French. Um, and then in... Uh, I did 98 doing just the live call on letour.fr and then that progressed by 99 we started doing what we call the film de l'étape which is just a very factual summary and uh, so 99 and, and the beginning of the Armstrong years uh, that prompted the organisers to consider another language and uh, obviously they selected English and so that was my task for, the, for, for many, many years I, I would do the live call so right Ten to 15,000 words of commentary during each stage just based on everything that happened on Radio Tour and, and some historical references and some anecdotes that I'd collected over the years and then at the end of the day we would smash out the film de l'étape and uh, that would be printed for the press room but also eventually put online and uh, progressively got faster and faster uh, and then also do some interviews and things like that so I mean um, So the essence of the job hasn't changed is the way we deliver it has changed and therefore the vibe has changed around. Well, also just simply the platforms, you know. To be honest, the, the, the systems that I was using in 98, 99, all through the, through the 90s really was a precursor to what we now know as the template for Facebook and Twitter, you know. It was a, um, 
that sort of coding hadn't been really... It, it was evolving largely through what the engineers at, the, at ASO were doing. It was, it was real uh, quite interesting tech, but I can't tell you anything about <laughs> it other than that, that when I had a problem, I would call someone over and they would remedy it. It was scratch your head in French and then uh, <laughs> remedy it. Well, let's talk about uh, what's coming up tonight on, on SBS. We're leaving from Troyes. Uh, which uh, was the final of the stage uh, yesterday. And we're going to Nuit Saint-Georges. Uh, it's going to be another pretty fast stage, I guess. It's a long stage, but it should go fast because it's something open up for the, for the sprinters. Well, exactly. I mean, we, it, it runs to a script, people who have seen stages. Uh, two was a little bit different because it was rainy, but let's say four and a sixth, and that was definitely, a, you know, let a few guys up the road, as, as is the case. And then the, it's difficult for anyone to even take a gamble because they know that when it's a profile like it is, then it suggests that the sprint's going to be on. So even if you've got a really good selection of riders who somehow manage to make it clear, they're going to be chased down by the sprint teams because there's you know, minimal opportunities for the, for the guys to sort of set it up for a bunch sprint. So we know at the end we'll see in the bunch guys like Kittel, guys like Demar, guys like Buani. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, most people who have been watching tour on SBS sort of understand the rhythm of it now as well. So, um, But, you know, there always is the prospect of a, of a surprise. And for me, uh, one of the, the, the highlight stages of the last few years, and it seems obtuse, is uh, stage 15 to Nîmes in 2014. And um, Jack Bauer um, was one of the riders in a, in a breakaway, and he got caught literally, I don't know, maybe 20 metres from the line. <laughs> and and uh, to me, you know, that's what... And it wasn't a mountain stage, and it was... A sprint. Uh, Alexander Kristoff won in the end, and you, you can argue they've timed it perfectly. Well, they did, uh, they did, but it was. Um, yeah, I was devastated for Jack. <laughs> you know, he'd, he'd been away all day, tried his heart out, and so that could happen. But I think realistically, the, one of the anticipated stages of this year's Tour de France is stage seven because it goes to Nuit Saint-Georges. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm I've asked everybody, so I'm going to have to ask you for a pick anywhere. On that sprint, who do you see? Who's the strongest at the minute? Because Demar is in green. Who's the strongest on sprint today? Or is it just a pick out of the hat? Anyway, you've got to give me a pick. The thing is, we've got to consider top-end speed. So, uh, we, and in that sense, uh, Sunweb, which has designated Michael Matthews as their, their leader for the tour, they even admit that uh, Michael, for all of his strengths, he's not the pure sprinter. He's one who needs a little bit of rough terrain and uh, a little bit of... Uh, undulation to, to soften the, the fastest guys out and uh, I spoke with Luke Roberts yesterday and he was telling me that you know on in their appraisal Luke Roberts works for Sunweb in their appraisal um, the, the fastest is Kittel and Demar and they, they just have that real super acceleration you know they're, they're doing a great job uh, for Demar to get the monkey off his back and pick up a win the other day so it's going to serve him very well uh, he'll want to prove that he can continue to win when there's not carnage behind him and uh, we've seen a committed FDJ. The Tour de France will benefit enormously from French success. You preach a convert. <laughs> <laughs> It's been great to have you in the podcast again. So we look forward to speak to you again all around the, as we go along around France. Thanks, Rob. And we'll raise a toast tonight when we've got the lovely bottle of wine from Louis Saint-Georges. Absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Christophe. 
And this is it for us uh, today. Thank you for listening to our uh, episode of this Zwift Tour de France podcast. I remind you that you can download it and stream it on SoundCloud. You can also find it on the Cycling Central website, which is uh, sbs.com.au slash Cycling Central. And you can find it as well in the rides uh, provided by Zwift. On behalf of uh, everyone that's been working on this podcast at SBS, I'm going to have to say now goodbye or au revoir for now. See you tomorrow. Thanks to Zwift for sponsoring the SBS Tour de France podcast. And every day throughout this year's race, you can join your own SBS peloton by doing one of the group rides on Zwift. Check it out today by visiting Zwift.com to learn more.